Hey man, oh, what's up? What man? you looking for? Dude, I was looking for my sandwich. Is this yours? I mean, like, it was, dude, but but I want you to have it, man. Like, seriously, is it good? But my wife made it for me this morning, but, but it's seriously good. yours, man. Yeah. Oh, hey, thanks, Grant. Hey, how you doing, brother? Yeah, Big guy, I love you, man. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, you go no, for thanks, sure. Man. Oh, oh hey, hey. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, hey. <laughs> man, big guy. <laughs> hey, I'll see you later, okay? Oh. Oh, my word. Hey, no, it's, it's seriously so not your fault. It's seriously, I don't even like this shirt anyway. It's like, seriously. It's really okay, thanks. Graham's a super positive guy. He's like always looking on the bright side of things, but he's like always looking on the bright side of things. Like just the other day. It was my fault. It was my fault anyways, man. I'll see you. Yeah, sometimes you just don't know what to say after a video like that. I guess welcome to Northridge, and it's great to have you here this morning. And to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. We got all our campuses. Can we celebrate our moms one more time? Yeah. And I, I pray today for all of you moms. It's a celebration. It's an honor. It's a chance to honor you and all your kids and all the men in your life. Just get a chance to show you the impact that you have had on their life as moms. And so happy Mother's Day. But I know for, for many people, they're celebrating today. But today can also be a hard day for some people. Mother's Day can be a unique day because it reminds some people of uh, the loss of a mother. Reminds them that, man, they, growing up, they didn't have a mom or a mom walked out of them. It's a reminder for some that they want to be a mother, but life circumstances haven't brought it to them. And so it can be a very discouraging and hard and difficult day. And so on this Mother's Day, I just want to pause real quick and pray for all the women in our church. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much just for the, the women who make up this church, the impact that they have day in and day out. And God, I, I pray for the moms this morning. I pray that you'd give them endurance, perseverance, patience, love, and kindness. And God, I pray today would just be a small glimpse of how much we really should celebrate them and honor them and thank them for all that they do. So I pray that you'd be with our moms. God, I pray that you'd be with the, the women who are struggling today. Maybe it's because of infertility. Maybe it's because they lost a mother. Maybe because they never had a mom. And God, I just pray in the midst of that pain, in the midst of, of that struggle, that you would just wrap your arms around them this morning and that you would love them and you would care for them and you'd give them that peace that goes beyond all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day, and I want to welcome everybody to Northridge Church. I want to welcome our campuses at Webster, Greece, Henrietta, here at Arondacoit, and those of you who are watching online. Last week, I had a chance to really engage with our online audience because I was away. I got to watch the live stream. I love that our church, when you go on vacation or you get away, you can still stay connected to our church by watching via online. And so thank you to all of you who are watching online this morning, and welcome again to, to Northridge Church. And I, I kind of want to separate our crowd this morning over our campuses and watching online, I want to kind of divide us into two categories. Uh, this morning, I, I brought uh, a little glass of water, mason uh, jar of water, and it's filled, and, and I'm curious. I, I wonder how many of you today, when you look at this glass of water, that you would say it is half filled. Show me your hands at all of our campuses. It's half filled with water. Okay, a good majority of you, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the people who often look at life through the, the lens of positivity. Okay, these are the, probably the more positive people, maybe a little bit of a dreamers. Now, how many of you today, when you look at this glass, you would say, this is half empty? Show me your hands. It's half empty. Okay, some of you are a little bit gun shy of throwing your hand up here. But ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the people who look at life a little more realistically, who maybe have a little bit of a negative lens when they look at life. And you know, when it comes to a series, we've been in this series called Those People. And oftentimes when we do a series like this, we often pick on the negative people. Like, oh, those negative people. But this morning, we're actually going to spin that around. And we're going to talk about those people in life who it doesn't matter what they're going through. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. They always look at the positive. And sometimes it just drives you crazy. It drives you nuts. And if you haven't been with us, we, we, we started this series two weeks ago where we're, we're really dealing with relationships. We're all in relationships, and we all have those people in our life that drive us crazy. People we try to avoid at, at all costs. They push our buttons. They just they get on our nerves. In week one, we talked about those proud people, the people in life that think about just them. Like, they're at the top of the shelf, and they don't really care about anybody else. Last week, our, our Webster campus pastor, Nate Miller, talked about those greedy people. He talked about, man, the people who have an affection problem, who are always chasing after the latest and the greatest and the next best thing. And this morning, we're going to learn and discover through God's word how we can handle those people who are just overly positive, that drive us crazy with their positivity. And when you think about this person, Really, positivity is just a facade. It's just kind of an outer shell to get really at what's on the inside. You see, positivity is just a symptom of something that's much bigger going on, which I like to call denial. You see, a lot of people who are overly positive, what they do is they live in this state of denial. And so let's talk about that. What, what does it mean to deny something? What, what, how do you locate this and how do you define this? Who are these people? Well, I like to say denial is people who replace facts with fantasy. They, they like to take the facts of life and they like to gloss over them, pretend like they don't exist because most of the time those facts are negative. They're not fun things to look at. And so they ignore them. They sweep them under the rug to live in this fantasy world with rainbows and unicorns and pots of gold. And so they, they deny their circumstances. They put on this facade of positivity to get us to not look at all the negative, the, the broken things in our lives. And when it comes to denial, I, I believe there's three types of deniers, three types of deniers that we will deal with in relationships. The first one is what I like to call the naive denier. 
the naive denier. This is the person who just denies the problem because they can't actually see the problem. It's the person who in marriage is like, I, I know my wife and I, we bicker a lot or we, we raise our voices a lot, but that's just who we are. And they don't actually see a problem with the way they're behaving because they're naive. And so it's not that they can see the problem, it's just they don't actually see it, and so they're the naive denier. The second type of denier is the one that probably drives us the craziest. It's the hypocritical denier. It's the person who actually knows the problem exists, but they're so busy denying it that they've forgotten it does exist. They walk through life pretending like mm, that's not a problem at all, even though everybody else recognizes it. In fact, maybe for some of you who are new to church, this person is the very reason why you don't want to come to church, because of the hypocritical denier who just completely ignores the problem and pretends like it's not there. The third denier is one of the unique deniers. This is what I like to call the holy denier. This is much like the hypocritical denier, but they try to use godly motives to, to, for the reason of their denial. They say things like this, like, I know I'm struggling with this, but I don't think God would want me to let anybody know about it. I, I, I know I'm dealing with this issue, but I don't want people to think that God's not big enough to handle it, so I'll keep it to myself. And we deny the problem, we keep it on the inside because we're the holy denier. And maybe you've dealt with somebody in those three categories. You've dealt with the, the person who can't see the problem, the person who just ignores the problem altogether, or the person who uses God to smooth over their problem. And what's crazy about people who deny things, who live in this fantasy world, who builds this facade of positivity, is, is they're doing it to try to avoid reality. They're doing it to try to avoid the truth, but the, the problem is, is denying the truth doesn't stop the truth. And, and maybe we, we, we take this home today where, where, hey, if I just sweep my problems under the rug, if I just kind of gloss over the truth of my circumstances, that doesn't actually stop the truth from actually happening in my life. If my finances are bad and I just pretend like they're not, they're still always going to be bad. If my marriage is falling apart and I'm just like, hey, I don't even know what anybody's talking about. Guess what? My marriage is eventually going to completely fall apart because Pretending like the truth doesn't exist doesn't mean that it's going to stop. So let's talk about what the Bible says about this type of person. This person who puts up a facade of positivity to deny the truth of their circumstances. John 8 says this about the truth. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The very thing that is, we're denying is the very thing that will release us from what we're struggling with. Isaiah 44 talks about this person. It says, such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? And then 1 John 1, it says this, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The very thing that we need is not located in us. And so you have to ask this question, why do people, why do those people do this? Why, why do so many people in our culture today live in a state of denial? Well, it's simple, because avoiding the truth is so much easier than facing it. And that is why many of us live this way. 
We know, we actually see the truth for many of us, but we know that actually facing that truth is gonna be painful, it's gonna be hard, and so you know what we do is we just sweep it under the rug. We just pretend like it doesn't exist, and we convince ourselves that if I don't look at it and I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Because avoiding the problem, avoiding the truth, is so much easier than staring at face on and head on. And there's so many people and, and so many churches in the Bible that live this way. We'll give you a couple examples. Two churches, the, churches, the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter three. This is what Jesus says about this church. He says, you say I am rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. And so this church is saying, hey, we've got all the money in the world. We look good, we feel good on the outside, we're awesome. But Jesus says this, he says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. On the facade, this church looked awesome, but once you got behind the scenes, it was broken and blind and naked. Much like the church in Sardis, Revelation chapter three, it says this, Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. Again, another church. On the outside, it was bumping, it was awesome, it was growing, there was a party scene at this church, man, but it looked good on the outside, but Jesus says, actually, you're dead. You look alive, but you're in denial because you're dead. People, religious leaders, Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing. And Jesus looks at this group of religious leaders, these spiritual leaders of the community, and he says, hey, you look good. And you show up in the synagogues and, and you go to church and you wear the suit and tie and you know the verses and you go to the special greeting times and, and you put on this really good facade, but on the inside, you're like unmarked graves. People walk over and they don't even notice. And to sum it all up, Jesus says this. He says in Matthew chapter 15, he says, these people, let's just change that, just a little you know, translation, those people, <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> these people Honor me with their lips. So from their mouth, everything sounds good. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And here's a group of churches and people, spiritual people, Christians that lived in denial. On the outside, they told everybody everything's good. We're alive, we're vibrant because they wouldn't face the facts. They lived in this fantasy world and they replaced the facts of their own circumstances with their own fantasy world. And here's the scary part about living this way. When we live in denial, here's what denial does, is it blinds us to who we really are. You see, there are some of you today that you've lived in your fantasy world and you've told that lie long enough that you actually believe what you're selling. You actually can't tell the difference between what is fantasy and what is reality because you've lied about it so many times. It's the person who says, hey, hey, how's life going? Oh, great, it's awesome. Hey, how's your marriage? Everything is perfect, awesome. Man, it's amazing. And you've told people that so much in your life 
that you're not even sure your marriage isn't working right now because you've sold that lie to people so many times. And that's what denial does. We deny something long enough, we start believing it ourselves. And we don't even know the truth anymore because denial blinds us to who we're becoming. And we start believing the very lie that we've been telling. And in this series, we're really asking two pointed questions. When it comes to dealing with those people or being that person, out of Matthew chapter 7, we're talking about the, these relationships and the two questions we have to ask. This is what it says in our theme verse. It says, why do you look, Jesus is speaking, at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so this morning, probably all of us, we have to ask, we have to answer one of these two questions. One, am I dealing with this type of person? Is someone in my life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a coworker, a, a friend, or a family member, that they're just driving me nuts because all they do is see the positive in things when they won't face the reality of life. Like you've been trying to, to, to try to steer them back to the truth and they just don't get it. They always just say, everything's fine. Life is good. Leave me alone. And are you dealing with a person like that? And how do we navigate that relationship? Or maybe today that person is you. Maybe it's your plank in your eye that you can't see where you are this overly positive person who just glosses over the truth because it feels better that way. And so let's start with the first one. Maybe you're dealing with that type of person. You're trying to navigate a relationship with a, a, a person who just sees positive even when there's no positive to see. How do we navigate this relationship? And I wanna give you two warnings before I tell you what I think we should do. You see, I think the first warning I would give you is, is when you're dealing with someone with denial, denial can make you feel guilty about you. You see, when, you, when you, you're in a relationship with someone who always sees the positive, if you look at the facts and, and you see negative, it can make you feel guilty. You might even ask this question, like, why don't I see life the way they do? And honestly, the answer to that question is you don't want to because they don't actually see the facts of life. And, and the reason why I know this is, I just gotta be honest, I am this person. I am the overly positive, gloss over the truth type of guy. You can ask my wife, we're like polar opposites. You wanna know God is good, it's the fact that Ashley and I work. Because in life, when I look at this cup, I'm like, man, the thing's full. It's amazing, like it's a full cup of water. Like I just see everything good. Now my wife on the other hand, she's like, is there water in that cup? And amazing, we work really well together, but I'm sure my wife gets tired of dealing with me sometimes. And often in life, she feels guilty about the way she sees life because Drew over here sees everything positively because he doesn't accept the facts sometimes. And we've actually been dealing with this just recently in our marriage because many of you know this about a year ago, I can't believe it's been a year, we brought Malachi into our family. For those of you who don't know, we flew about a year ago to China to adopt our son Malachi um, from China. And when he came into our family, he had some special needs. He had a cleft palate and he had a cleft lip. And so when he got into America and into our family, we corrected those pretty much immediately. 
And so over the course of this year, he's been learning how to speak and learn the English language. And so every like Tuesday and Thursday, he has speech therapists that come into our house and they try to teach him how to communicate and how how to talk. And just a couple of weeks ago, our speech therapist was like, hey, I don't, want, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but he's behind. He's significantly behind, and, and you got to kind of work on him and, and press in. And so my wife is like, oh, no, what are we going to do, Drew? Like, everything, we got we to gotta start working hard. Everything, it's bad, Drew. And I'm like, ha, he'll be fine. <laughs> like, the, the, the dude's just been in America for a year. Like, give him some time to, like, learn the language. And honestly, the reason why I say a lot of those things is because I, I don't want to face the facts. I don't want to think my son's behind. And it doesn't help him to gloss over the truth. And what often happens is my wife feels guilty because I see everything positively and she's like, why don't I do that? And the truth is she shouldn't. Drew should actually look at the facts of the situation. And I'm telling you today, in, in relationships, when you deal with someone who's always positive, You'll feel guilty sometimes trying to bring them back to the truth. You'll feel guilty, man, why don't I see life that way? And so be careful. I think second warning I'd give you is overly positive people can lead you to become an overly critical people. Overly positive people lead others to become overly critical. You see, you're going to go one way or the other when you deal with someone like this. You're either going to feel guilty that you don't look at life the way they do, or it's going to lead you into the other direction of life where you just become really cynical. And you don't believe any positive thing in their life. You're just like, yeah, they're denying something. And we have to be careful when we're in a relationship with a very positive person that it doesn't create a critical heart in us. That we guard ourselves from cynicism. That we guard ourselves from always questioning what they say and everybody else who is positive. And so be careful. You could feel guilty about you and you could, it could lead your heart to become a critic. So how do we deal with this person? How do we navigate a relationship with that, that person? I'll tell you to do two things, to embrace their positivity and to ask them good questions. And I love this twofold answer because, you know, being positive is a good thing. The Bible teaches that we should try to find joy in all circumstances, even bad circumstances, that we can actually look at the bad in our life with a positive, joyful spirit. So we, we, we don't beat them down so they, they just become a negative critic in life. We don't tell them to, 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 to stop seeing the good in things. No, we actually support that. We say, hey, I'm glad that you see this in a positive manner. But let me ask you some pointed questions to shape your perspective on the full picture. We ask questions like, hey, have you researched this fully? Hey, have you had somebody else look at this? Are you sure that's completely accurate? Are you sure you're seeing the full picture? And what's crazy about good questions, pointed questions, is it steers people back to the truth. And the great news is it's not us pointing our finger at them. It's allowing them to get there on their own through your questions. And so we embrace their positivity. We say, hey, man, I'm glad glad you see the, the positive here. But let me shape your entire perspective on the truth of what's actually going on through good questions. But maybe the question that we all have to ask is, is this me? Am I living in a state of denial? And I've put up this facade of positivity to cover up the things that I'm trying to deny that are actually true about my life. Is this the plank that I'm missing in my life? And maybe you don't know the answer to that. And I want to give you a a simple question that I think maybe throughout the week, 
that you just continue to ask this question in your life. Maybe in your community group, you ask this question. Here, it's really simple. It says, where are you, where am I not embracing reality? Where in life are you glossing over the truth? You're hiding the truth. You're sweeping it under the rug. You know, maybe today you're not embracing reality with your kids and how they behave. You've said over and over again, oh, they're just kids, they'll get it. Well, maybe it's time for you to actually parent them so they get it. Maybe today you're, you're, you're glossing over the reality of your grades in school or in college. You know, you, you, you've, you've kind of had your fun and now you need to get serious about your situation and your future. Maybe you're glossing over the truth in your marriage where you've told people over and over again, everything's fine and it's really not. Maybe today it's with your diet where you've allowed sugar to comfort you long enough and it's built bad habits and maybe you need to face the reality of it. Maybe today it's with your finances where you've spent enough on the credit cards and you've spent, out, spent your means for long enough that it's gonna cause a huge problem in your life if you don't face it. Maybe it's with your walk with God, where you call yourself a committed Christian, but let's be honest, you haven't even been in God's word on a consistent basis. Your prayer life is very apathetic, and it's time you just called it out in you. Maybe it's with a sin struggle, where you flirted with sin for so long, and you just become numb to it. Your friends have tried to tell you, and you're just like, it's not a big deal. Where in your life today are you not facing the facts that people are trying to tell you? You're living in denial in your marriage, in your job, with your, with your eating habits, or in your finances. And maybe you, don't, you can't answer this question. Well, maybe you sit down with someone you trust. Maybe it's a community group person, man to man, women to women, and you just sit down and you say, will you help me see clearly? Will you point me to the truth because I'm having trouble seeing it? Because if you're that person who sits in a community group week after week and it's prayer time and you're just like, I don't need any prayer, I'm good right now, you're missing reality. Because every single one of us, I don't care how spiritual or how godly you are, we all have areas in our life where we need God to intervene. So it's not wise to sit around and say, oh, I'm good. So how do we overcome this? How do we win the battle if this is our plank? I think we're chasing after two things. The first thing, truth is the antidote. Truth is the cure and joy is the aim. You see, when we are living in denial, the very thing that we need is the truth, the facts. And so the truth of our circumstances is, is the cure. And really what we're after is not positivity, but biblical joy in all circumstances. The Bible says this about the truth, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The very thing that you're denying in your life, the truth, is the very thing that will actually set you free from the bondage of what you're struggling with. John 15 says this about joy. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. And here's what it says, verse 11. It says, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so we're chasing after two things. We're chasing after the truth and we're chasing after biblical joy. How do we practically get there? It's one thing to know the cure. It's another thing to know how to step into it. And I think honestly, for many of us who are living in denial, we just need to simply acknowledge reality. We need to face the facts. The facts are scary sometimes. 
But I think for all of us, we just need to look at the facts straight in the face and say, where am I not seeing it? There's no path to joy that doesn't go through the terrifying journey of seeing reality. And we have to embrace it even if it's hard and even if it hurts. And here's what I want you to know about acknowledging reality, is reality starts painfully, but it ends purposefully. Reality starts painfully. I mean, isn't that the reason why we don't like to face the truth? Because the truth hurts. It's not fun to face the reality of a broken marriage. It's not fun to face the reality of broken finances. It's not fun to look at your life and say, I'm struggling and I need help. And you wanna know why, it's, it, why we, we sweep things under the rug? It's because of this point right here. Because we know when we actually face the truth of our circumstances and in our life, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be painful. And so you know what we do? We just keep sweeping. We keep sweeping it under the rug. We keep hiding it on the shelf because we convince ourselves, hey, if I can't see my problem, if I can't see my, my struggle, if I just hide it under the rug or I put it on the shelf and it, 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 I can't see it, it'll eventually go away, right? And that's how most of us live. We don't wanna deal with the pain of the truth of our struggle and so we hide it and we think, ah, eventually, that thing will take care of itself. And then we wonder why we're here, where our marriage is hanging on by a thread. We wonder why we can barely pay our bills. We wonder why our business isn't successful. We wonder why we're, we're gaining weight rapidly. We wonder why it's because we've hit our struggle long enough that it's out of control because we thought it would take care of itself and it just grew and grew and grew. And the reason why we don't want to face it is because it was going to be painful. It was going to be hard. I'm telling you, one of your greatest fears, for many of you today, one of your greatest fears is that somebody actually might know who you really are. That your spouse in life might know, men and women, that you're dealing with pornography and your greatest fear is that they might find out. And the pain of walking through that will keep you sweeping and hiding. Some of you today, your greatest fear is to know, people to know that you went back to that addiction, that you're still drinking, that you're still doing drugs, and the pain of people knowing that you failed again will keep you sweeping and sweeping. The pain of your friends thinking you've got it all together that your finances are in order when you're in credit card debt out of your eyeballs, the pain of people actually knowing that will keep you sweeping or swiping. See, this is how we live in the church. It's a sad reality. In the church, we're supposed to be transparent and we're all broken, so you would think we would all live in our brokenness, but no, we take our brokenness, push it back, and we build these beautiful white picketed fences and houses saying, woo, look at me, because we're afraid. We're fearful that people might actually know who we actually are. And that pain, the reality of pain keeps us sweeping. 
And I'm telling you today, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. If you face the truth of your broken marriage, if you face the truth of your finances, you face the truth of whatever you're glossing over or sweeping, it's going to hurt. And it might hurt for a season, but I'm telling you today that hurt has a purpose because God takes your hurt and he takes your broken and he does what only he can do. And I'm telling you today, one of the things that, keep, that is keeping God from healing that brokenness is you just coming clean with it. The Bible says the truth will set you free. The truth of your circumstances and your struggle, just admitting that will be like bondage falling off. This is why James says this about joy. Remember, we're chasing truth and joy. He says this, James 1, he says, consider it pure joy. You can have joy in, in the worst of struggles. He says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so James says you can have joy in all circumstances. Because why? Because God's creating endurance and perseverance in you. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate to run. Anybody with me just hate to run? Yeah, amen. Hmm. You know, if you give me a ball, I'll run all day long. Like, Drew, go get the ball. Okay. I run all day long. These people who run like 12, 26 miles, let's just admit it, they're crazy. <laughs> they lost it. Here's the thing I know about running though, is if you wanna be a good runner, you gotta train. And in those training moments where you're going from three miles to five miles or five miles to 10 miles, somewhere along that run, your body is gonna tell you to stop. Your body is gonna scream, it hurts, give up, throw in the towel. And what separates the good runners from the bad runners is pushing through that pain, walking through it and facing it head on and then watching you get where you wanna go. And it's the same in life today. Some of you aren't willing to face your pain of your struggle and fight through it to get where God wants to take you. And I'm telling you, if God, if you would just allow the truth to set you free, to walk through that pain and watch God do what only he can do. Because here's what I know about the truth. John 8, it says, the truth will set you free. Some of you are looking for freedom today. Right here it is. Let's pray. God, thank you that your word is so relevant. And God, I know the truth is so painful sometimes. Honestly, that's why I run from it. It's never easy to say, man, I'm broken. I'm flawed. I'm messed up. So, so for so many of us, we just walk through life pretending everything's okay. And God, I pray today that we would stop pretending. Man, this room, these auditoriums, people watching on live, it, it, we're just full of broken people. We're all broken. And that's why we're in need of you, God. And so I pray that we would seek truth today, that we, although it might be painful and it might hurt, we would say, you know what? Today, I've just got to admit the truth. And I'm gonna watch God through the truth set my marriage or my finances or whatever it is free. In Jesus' name.